Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for men and women in the United States. One person dies every 37 seconds from cardiovascular disease. Most doctors, they rely on this typical cholesterol panel to determine if somebody is at greater risk for heart disease. Well, we have with us today cardiologist Dr. Joel Kahn. His new book focuses on a little-known risk factor for heart disease called lipo protein little a an estimated one in five people have elevated levels of this silent heart killer which can increase the risk for blocked arteries blood clots heart attacks and stroke if you want to know if you're at risk and learn all the secrets to living a heart healthy life don't go anywhere it all starts now it's to your good health radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert dr david friedman changing lives just for the health of it our next guest is known as america's healthy heart doc he has triple board certification in internal medicine cardiovascular medicine and interventional cardiology in 2013 he became the first physician in the world to receive a certification in metabolic cardiology from the university of south florida he's the founder of the Khan center for cardiac longevity He's a recipient of the prestigious Healthcare Hero Award from Detroit Cranes Business, and he's the best-selling author of six books, and he's appeared on the Dr. Phil Show, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, Larry King Now, and The Joe Rogan Experience, just to name a few. Welcome back to the show, author of the new book, Lipoprotein A, The Silent Heart Killer, Dr. Joel Kahn. Thank you, Dr. Freeman. Always a pleasure to be on your show and all the good work you do. Uh, great to have you back with us. You know, I've had the honor of interviewing all the leading plant-based doctors and authors, starting with uh, John Robbins back in 1997. And I have to say, you have the most energy, the sharpest wit, and ability to convey your message second to none. So how's oh, that for an ego-boosting wow. intro? <laughs> wow. Well, let's just end the let's end the interview right now because I mean that's the finale. But thank you. I know it's sincere and uh, I appreciate your yes. kindness. Yeah, it's great. Now your book title starts with a word not everybody is familiar with, lipoprotein A, also called LPA for short. Share with us what is this and why you devoted an entire book to the topic. Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. The worst part about this very important topic is we need marketing agency come up with a better name because it's actually called lipoprotein little a and the word little isn't in the title it's just a lowercase a right. and that's how you pronounce it whether you're giving a university lecture or speaking to a patient uh, or lp little a because there's little another a. cholesterol particle with a capital a and this came second but in 1963 scientists in europe identified we have a kind of cholesterol in our blood that nobody knew about and i'm right. sure in the future we'll find other things this is a mean, bad LDL cholesterol particle, but it will never show up on the routine panel, doctors, nurses, physician assistants, too. You have to check the little box, and it's available right. everywhere, Quest, LabCorp, hospitals. It's a kind of cholesterol that can clog your arteries anywhere in your body. It can clog your aortic heart valve and lead to aortic stenosis. And this is the amazing statistic. 25 to 30% of all people inherit this from their parents, so by the time they're one years old, that blood level is elevated, already possibly coating arteries and heart valves wow. with cholesterol plaque, and we don't check for it. It's estimated as many as one in every 
seven heart operations is because of lipoprotein little a. And the patient hears, we don't know why you're clogged up. You know, your labs are good because we omitted this. But it's coming into prime time, and it's a simple blood test. You either have it or you don't. And finally, the European Cardiology Society in 2019 said everybody should get this checked. We're still waiting for the American heart to put the rubber stamp. But I say don't wait, and that's why I wrote a book, because we need to get the word out. You know, um, know all your risk. It's easy to know if you smoke or not. You have to get right. a blood test to know if you inherited this. So when people go, they get the standard cholesterol panel, you know, from their doctor, the total cholesterol, HDL, and the LDL levels. So that's not an accurate assessment of a person's risk for heart disease. It's not complete. It's certainly part of the package. Your blood right. sugar, your blood pressure, your weight, your smoking, all these things are the famous Framingham right. risk factors. But we know that there's a large percentage of people, I'd said that 50% of people that have a heart attack have an LDL cholesterol in the normal range. Well, the biggest reason you hear about Uncle Bob had a heart attack and nobody can figure out why, right. is, according to the science, is that this lipoprotein little a was elevated but not checked. Once you check it, then you say, aha, that's why grandma and uncle and husband or you know, that's why I had heart disease. It runs in families. So certainly everybody with that family history of stroke, heart attack, heart valve surgery should find out about lipoprotein little a. So how do they get tested? They're at their doctor and they mention this and he's just able to check it and they can test it right there? Or is he going to look and say, eh, not necessary. What is all that about? Well, you know, Dr. Freeman, the best thing to do is buy the book, Lipoprotein LA, <laughs> read the book and give it to your doctor because it'll actually, it'll actually educate your doctor. There are about 150 medical references. And the book is half science and actually half recipes. Wanted to give people something in addition to science for their value uh, in their purchase. Uh, but yeah, it, w it may take a little work. The, the two keys are, everybody remembers Arthur Ashe, world-famous tennis player, had a heart attack in his mid-30s, right. lipoprotein little a, and then Bob Harper, the fitness trainer on The Biggest Loser Show, heart attack at age 51 three years ago, lipoprotein little a. So sometimes you have to bring those two media uh, and personalities up and, and, and really, truly educate the medical staff. You know, I know this is important. I just want to find out. It's a, maybe a $30 blood test. And usually under the billing code of high cholesterol, it will be paid for. Interesting. What foods are best for lowering our lipoprotein little a? Yeah, it's a tough topic because, again, unlike the standard LDL cholesterol, which can respond phenomenally to improving the diet, adding in the fruits and vegetables and the oatmeal, this one doesn't change much. There's some data that a healthy plant strong diet, you know, bigger salads, smaller right. uh, pieces of chicken may lower it some. They don't lower it a lot. There's a bitter um, Indian gooseberry called amla that may lower it a bit. We truly and unfortunately, I think we need drugs, uh, either prescription or over the counter because niacin can lower it. And there are prescription drugs being developed. There's really not one out yet. That's the superstar specifically. Lipitor, Crestor, which may be needed to be used for other reasons, they don't beat this special cholesterol type down. They do not. They don't. What about genetics? Does it play a role in somebody's uh, lipoprotein little a levels? It's completely actually genetic. That's completely. The, that's the frustrating part because you can start a running program, you can go to the gym, you can start to eat better, and you'll have many benefits by doing that. You know that, of course, uh, mm -hmm. as well as I do. But you may not see 
your lipoprotein little a number move much. So it is entirely determined. We have actually, uh, you know, we know where the gene is. We know what chromosome it's on. All the science is well known. Yeah, I love this saying that I've heard you quote many times. Your genes load the gun, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. So our future's right. not written in stone. So if somebody does see that level, and they they don't they don't have to panic. It's it's not it's not a death sentence, correct? Not at all. And the you know the intelligent recommendation. And for example, there's something called the lipoprotein A Foundation. What they teach mm-hmm. is just use it as an incentive. You may not be able to lower your lipoprotein A much. But you certainly can go to the gym, eat healthier, get sleep, right. quit smoke. You know, don't scare a person with the data, but motivate them. You know, we better work on these other modifiable risk factors. You know, we can't get younger, and we can't right, right now always lower our lipoprotein little a. But we can do a lot of good stuff with lifestyle that will protect us from that future stroke, future heart attack. Yeah, I know you've been following a whole food plant-based diet for over 30 years and you've been recommending it to patients. I'm curious if somebody comes to you, let's say they have advanced heart disease and they turn their life around, they adopt a whole food plant-based diet, could they reverse their heart disease or is there a point of no return? No, it's never ever too late and it absolutely happens even in people with 10, 20 year documented history of you know, clogged arteries. I use a carotid scan in my office right. and maybe once a year or 18 months we'll repeat that and we routinely see younger healthier arteries when you make that diet change you add in the walking program you get the blood pressure and blood cholesterol under control so just like heart disease can come on the body right. has the ability to remove the plaque we know that scientifically it just it takes a little effort. That's great. Now, there's a common food war between the plant-based and the pro-animal consuming diet advocates. Share your opinion on these uh, keto-paleo diets that are touted by many experts to be good for the heart. Yeah, not too many experts because they end up <laughs> short on the science. And, you know, we always need better science. We need more science. We need randomized studies. Nutrition science is tough. But at least 10 to 1 for any single study that suggests maybe the paleo diet, again, a better choice than donuts and a milkshake, but still, there's 10 to 1 science favoring a diet that's predominantly or completely plant-based, whether we talk about reversing heart disease in Dr. Dean Ornish, reversing type 2 diabetes, Dr. Neil Barnard, and other examples, even now rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, some of the autoimmune diseases, thyroid disease, we're seeing if you put the effort in the diet, the body can turn on its natural immune and natural reverse cholesterol, you know, processes and people improve. So yeah, my people 20 years after bypass see benefits uh, when they start changing their diet. And frankly, they better do it in that situation. They should have done it 20 years earlier, but nobody brought it up with them. Well, we brought it up. Now, your new book offers oil-free recipes, and I've interviewed so many plant-based docs that tell us to avoid olive oil. And this is something many plant-based diet followers have a hard time grasping because those following the Mediterranean diet consume olive oil, and they're known for their great heart health and longevity. Then there's all these scientific studies supporting the olive oil's benefits, and you are one of the most science-backed, common-sense people I know. Why is this plant-derived product considered a no-no? Well, if any of your listeners answer the question, I have very serious heart disease. I've got advanced blockages trying to avoid stents and bypass. And if you've raised your hand, you probably should follow the plant diet without oils because all the research studies have shown 
You can reverse that disease slowly, steadily, but they've all been without oil. So it's actually an experiment never done. There's not a good study that carefully looks at arteries and included high quality extra virgin olive oil. My own opinion, if it were done, it would still be beneficial to change your diet and leave extra virgin olive oil, but we don't know that, so I'm speculating. For the other 98% of the world, they're eating butter and lard and ghee. Harvard School of Public Health just published massive study, 130,000 doctors and nurses filed 30 years. You're much better off with extra virgin olive oil than butter or lard or ghee. I use extra virgin olive oil. I know my heart status. It's as clean as arteries can get. So it is indeed from that Mediterranean diet experience, you know, a much better choice than what we're getting in processed food, vending machine foods and, uh, right. you know, butter, butter enhanced food. So it's, it's on my radar map, except for, you know, 5% of my patients that are really in a pickle. Got that avocado oil, still a no, no. Uh, again, other than somebody really struggling with weight type two diabetes and this advanced heart disease subset. So now a little bit bigger, uh, avocado oil is fine. It's a little richer, um, in, uh, monounsaturated fats. Uh, right. it has a little saturated fat, extra virgin olive oil does have a little saturated fat. So you do want to keep the volume down, but, uh, it's a good choice. Um, I, I still would prefer the extra virgin olive oil as the choice between the two. If you're putting a couple drops on your salad or your grilled vegetables, yeah, that makes sense. Great. Talk to us about something everybody's enduring right now, stress and its relationship to heart disease. Yeah, stress is a big factor, and sometimes it's just, why did you eat the whole bag of cookies, and why didn't you work out today? And right. you know, I slept poorly, I was thinking about the pandemic, and I got up, and you know, I shouldn't have done it, but I ate you know, half the bag of donuts. Number one, don't have donuts in your house, that'd be the easiest choice. But stress, <laughs> is, stress is such a fundamental reason that we end up with the name. We end up with high blood pressure, elevated blood sugar, high cholesterol. And your doctor may or may not have a discussion with you about the stress you're under. And, you know, when you can either get a better night's sleep, which is one of the best stress relievers, when you can take a long walk, maybe in nature, one of the best stress relievers, Mozart music reduces your blood pressure, great stress reliever, or really any music you really enjoy uh, that's rather upbeat. These are good things. And then there's the healthy diet. We actually have some very recent data plant-based diets improve mood, uh, active right. yoga improves mood. So there's many ways to, um, kind of control that stress. any kind of breath work, whether it's a yoga breath, whether it's a prayer breath, they all help a lot. That makes sense. I read research showing heart attack rates are higher on Monday mornings. From your experience, is there any truth to this? Yeah, it's, it's a true statistic, and a lot of it relates to the stress factor you just brought up, you know, uh -huh. kind of a, a relaxing, kind of a nice weekend, and then, you know, 5.30 a.m., the alarm clock goes off, and there's that startle, and maybe your blood pressure shoots up a little higher on Monday morning than the other days, and maybe your blood clots a little easier, maybe you overdid it over the weekend, so you're still having uh, some impact, so don't overdo it with the processed and low quality foods. But sure, sure enough, Monday morning is a peak, but it's a equal opportunity seven days a week uh, in general. But Monday's the scary morning. It is. And then somebody that's, you know, I have a patient last week says, oh, I live on three, four hours sleep a night. 
Uh, isn't he a, a heart attack in the making? I mean, that's got to put strain on your heart. You don't shut down. It's like you got to shut your car down to, to, to chill out, and then you start it back up. Doesn't the body need to shut down? It's so true. You know, when you were in med school, when I were in medical school, we didn't learn that much about sleep, but it's such a big factor now. And at least statistically, you know, uh, a person that sleeps three to four hours a night is more likely to develop heart disease, calcification in their arteries, even type 2 diabetes, even blood pressure issues. Uh, and I think there's some studies that link it to cancer. Yeah, absolutely right. Your body has this awesome ability to heal itself, repair damaged DNA, rebuild vitamin and antioxidant stores. Most of that happens at night when you're not eating and maybe your last uh, you know, food in the day is done by 7 p.m. So you might get 12 hours in to start doing that reparative work. Just like you know, maintain a car well, you should maintain your body well. And then overnight rest is really the easiest path. Yeah, that makes sense. When I went to college, I remember learning all about grains and how they're the top of the list for being heart healthy. And now we have all these leading cardiologists saying, stay away from grains. They contain lectins. They're bad for the heart. Help us set the record straight here. Grains or no grains? Yeah, you know, I don't want to attack anybody's credibility, but if you want to write a successful book, you know, you take a contrarian view and make it seem like you discovered something new and you don't do any research. And for a while, people buy into it. And that's what's happened with beans and peas and 100% whole grains. All of a sudden, they were kind of blackballed uh, as uh, unhealthy foods. But the science didn't change. The Mediterranean diet science didn't change. The Harvard School of Public Health science didn't change. Beans and peas and lentils and 100% whole grains like brown rice or 100% whole wheat, thick crusted breads have always been part of healthy longevity diets. They do in general lower your cholesterol, lower inflammation, provide fiber, provide magnesium, and they are part of my diet and they are recommended to my patients with you know, the rare patient who has a true case of celiac disease or uh, some other intolerance so they just can't eat. You know, you soak your beans and such and usually there's, and rinse them real well and you'll tolerate them very, very well. Yeah, and you know, I always say, how do you explain these people that live to be 100 and, and over eating beans, e eating whole grains? And you're saying it causes cancer and di die early. The studies don't show that. Common sense, no, right? Yeah, in fact, <laughs> if, you look, if you look at three of the longest-lived societies in the world, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, and Loma Linda, California, the one food group that they all share in common is an extraordinarily high amount of legumes, beans, peas, lentils. And you'll see a 98-year-old mowing their lawn in Loma Linda, California, or, you know, 101-year-old grandmother making holiday dinner for the family in Okinawa. So um, legumes uh, win, and in fact, there's a study in the elderly, they may be the most longevity-producing food you can eat as beans, peas, and lentils, any kind of bean on the planet. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but but no, they cause cancer and death, so this can't be true. <laughs> well, like, that sells books. That's uh, you know killer lectins. My God, <laughs> America. Three years ago, it scared America, but it never was credible. And uh, you hear a little less about that nowadays. But Doc, we got a lectin shield that's been invented by the same person to protect us. So <laughs> you know about that? Oh my God, he's rescuing <laughs> America's health with an eighty dollar a month vitamin. You don't need, you know how many beans you can buy for $80? Probably a whole year's <laughs> worth. And that's just one month of the protector. You know, you shouldn't eat raw beans. It's absolutely true. But I don't think anybody listening 
had a habit of grabbing kidney beans raw. I mean, you break your teeth, but you know, <laughs> you should not eat raw beans. You soak them, you pressure cook them, or you buy them in a can pre-pressure cooked, and you don't worry about it after that. Exactly. I'm with you on that. Talk to us about supplements. I hear all these heart-healthy supplements, coenzyme Q10, omega fatty acids. Is there anything that you found in your experience that people should take that will help their heart stay healthy? Yeah, I'm actually very impressed. And all this is said without any financial ties. I don't have a CoQ10 vitamin with my name on the bottle. Um, There are studies in congestive heart failure, the kind of stuff you and I like to see, research, that suggests if you're a patient with congestive heart failure and your doctor gives you CoQ10 or placebo, you may live longer with CoQ10. That's called the Symbiocute study. And then there's an interesting study from Sweden and hundreds of 70-year-old and older healthy citizens, if they got on CoQ10 or the placebo, they had less heart problems, less hospitalizations on CoQ10. That's not just expensive urine. That's actually health outcome. So that is something I pretty much suggest to all my heart patients, particularly if they're on the Lipitor, Crestor, Statins, but even across the board. And you can find pretty you know, reasonably priced examples in vitamin shops and big box stores. Right now, vitamin D is being talked about because of the pandemic, and it's so common to be low in vitamin D, even if you live in uh, California or Arizona where there's right. more sun than the Midwest where you and I live. So uh, I at least ask your doctor maybe to check your blood level. Uh, if you're severely deficient, I like my patients to correct with diet, eating more mushrooms, vitamin D fortified hemp milk or oat milk, but they may need to take a simple, inexpensive supplement. And I would say finally, B-complex vitamins. There's an interesting review by the famous Dr. David Jenkins, a professor in Toronto, that uh, the B-complex vitamins may help prevent strokes, and strokes are not fun. So uh, you know, maybe two, three times a week, uh, a multivite or a dedicated B complex vitamin, very inexpensive. Yeah. So great to hear, you know, standard medical physician talk about these healthy alternatives. I'm curious, what motivates you to go, uh, you know, shift from stents and drugs to becoming this healthy food and lifestyle cardiologist? Yeah, it's been a long path. I've been in practice over 30 years. I've put in 10,000 plus stents. So, I mean, I've been there inside human bodies many times. But the science authentically really says probably 75 to 80% of open heart bypass and stent procedures don't need to be done. We got reminded of this just in April 2020 when a 5,000 patient study that cost our taxpayers $100 million, it's called the ischemia study, was published if you had bad heart blockage and went quickly to a stent or bypass or bad heart blockage and you got on medication, low fat diet and exercise, you actually had the same outcome after four years. There was no advantage to rush to have your chest cracked or get a stent. So, you know, I've been preaching wellness. You've been preaching wellness. It actually is the science. It's just not what most hospitals, administrators, and practices teach because there's not a lot of money in prevention. You know, again, take your $80 and buy your beans. It's a lot less expensive than the $80,000 bypass, but it's actually the right choice for many people. So true. And the minute we have left, is there anything else you'd like to share that we didn't have time to cover today? Oh, what's really hot and exciting out there. I actually am fascinated and really a student of this system in our body, the endocannabinoid system. You know, when you uh, smoke marijuana, which I don't advocate and don't do, you actually activate a system in your body. But these non-hallucinogenic hemp oils, CBD oils, which there are receptors all through the heart system, 
I actually have incorporated these non-hallucinogenic hemp oils and my patients are sleeping fantastic and they're aching less. So I think we've got a lot to learn, but I think that's really an exciting addition to kind of natural treatment of anxiety and sleep and even some aches and pains. Good stuff. That could be your next book. You have a little uh, Cheeks and Chong on the bottom. Just pay him a little royalty. And <laughs> the I like second the way you think. Cheeks and Chong and Con. It sounds like a law firm. Cheeks and Chong and Kong. Sounds like a, a, a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It was so, so great having you back on the show. It's always a pleasure uh, having you share your knowledge with the listeners. Uh, definitely want to get you back when you can to get your copy of Lipoprotein Little A, The Silent Heart Killer. Go to drjoelkahn.com. And while there, be sure and check out his articles and videos and recipes. You got to hear this guy share his passion about what he believes in, backing it up with some great science. Also, sign up for his weekly updates. You can follow Dr. Khan on Facebook. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dr. J. Khan. And for my daily health tweets and Facebook posts, follow me at Dr. David Friedman on Instagram. I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Dr. Khan share something today that somebody you know needs to hear, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyougoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library. Share these segments of interest with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. This information is too important to keep to yourself. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.